You're listening to Voices of Family, a monthly podcast series from the BC Council for Families. Each month, we bring you thought-provoking discussions with notable figures and frontline workers in the family service community. Voices of Family takes you inside family services to hear what's new and on the horizon, making life better for BC families. Hello, it's David Sheftel speaking here. I am a program coordinator at the BC Council for Families, and I also help with the provincial coordination of the Nobody's Perfect program in BC. I'm here today uh, in Victoria at the Early Years Conference, and I'm speaking with Dr. Bernice Kripnik. She has kindly agreed to uh, take part in an interview. And uh, just to introduce her a bit, Dr. Skripnik is an associate professor in the Department of Human Ecology at the University of Alberta. Much of her work focuses on strengthening family relationships and fostering individual well-being. Her primary research program focuses on predictors of parenting, the intergenerational transmission of parenting practices, and the relationship between parenting and children's outcomes. Her practice interests are in informing, developing, and evaluating policies, programs, and clinical practice that will enhance parenting capacity and improve children's developmental outcomes in vulnerable families. From 2005 to 2008, Dr. Skripnik led the national evaluation of the Nobody's Perfect Parenting Program, the first ever intensive evaluation into the outcomes of that program, and the BC Council for Families was involved with uh, with some of the research for that evaluation. She has recently published the results of that study and she's here today to talk about that research, about Nobody's Perfect, and about the role of prevention and early intervention programs in ensuring positive child outcomes. So thanks for being here, Verena. Well, thank you very much for asking me. So I mentioned the uh, evaluation project uh, talking about the Nobody's Perfect Parenting Program and uh, I should just say that if people listening are interested uh, in learning more about Nobody's Perfect in general we have uh, resources on our website and and, uh, through the council but um, just talking specifically about this uh, project you were looking at the effectiveness uh, on, on outcomes with kids and with parents you know about other parenting programs, uh, I'm sure. Can you describe at all what, you know, in your view, makes Nobody's Perfect different from other ones? Oh, oh well, I guess a number of things. Um, uh, and I'm going to be probably biased in terms of talking about those things that, to me, are important. Okay. Sure. Um, the fact that nobody's perfect is um, uh, targeted to parents right from birth um, uh, through the preschool years. Um, a number of programs aren't geared for parents of infants, and I think it's it's marvelous and wonderful that parents can have a be involved in a parenting program that's for parents of infants. Um, so that's uh, one way in which it's different that I think is a real strength of the program. Um, as I had mentioned about it being client-centered, strengths-based, um, what we know um, kind of right now in terms of the literature, what it tells us about the effectiveness of parenting programs, that for the largest majority of parents, um, uh, a strengths-based or client-centered approach is seen as being best practice right now. Um, 
it's um, because it's preventive. Um, it's it's a, a support program. It's preventive. It's not reacting to problems. Um, I think is another strength of it. Um, uh, because many programs are more targeted to a, dealing with a particular problem, problem, and I think Nobody's Perfect is trying to foster and promote really healthy, strong parent-child relationships so that no that problems don't emerge. Um, so it's I see it as preventive um, in that way. Um, I think that uh, one of the other ways it's different, and this has sometimes been a criticism of Nobody's Perfect, but I think it's exactly why the parents um, love Nobody's Perfect um, and feel that it is so responsive and that the facilitators are so responsive to them, is the fact that it doesn't have a set or rigid curriculum. So even though it has uh, a common process and it has common materials that are used, um, the each week, each session is very much in kind of control of the direction that that takes in the hands of the parents. And so the parents really feel like it's a program for them rather than being kind of pushed on them. Um, and so they sort of grow with it each week and help direct it. They are, they're kind of, um, I guess, driving the car, so to speak. Um, and I think that that is... Uh, contributes to the popularity of the program from a parent's perspective. Nobody's Perfect has been around for a long time, uh, more than 30 years really since it got started. Why was it important now to, to measure the effectiveness? Um, well, good question. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, I think because Nobody's Perfect, uh, it there's, there have been questions about whether there's in, an empirical support for Nobody's Perfect. Um, its effectiveness has been questioned by funders. Uh, both government funders and others are increasingly looking for evidence-based programs. And I think for two reasons. One, Nobody's Perfect, as you said, has been around for a long time. And often I think we have the idea that, wow, we have to have something new because new will be better. So I think there was a questioning, this program's been around for a long time. Is it really still adhering to best practice in parenting literature? Well, can you, can you tell us a bit about, uh, you know, people can read the, the whole report, but can you tell us some of the Hit the, the highlights? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd love to. Um, I guess I would, uh, I guess I would put the findings into sort of three categories of findings that we, that, that we obtained that um, I think are indicative of the effectiveness, uh, provide evidence of the effectiveness of Nobody's Perfect. Um, and one of those um, is around social support. Uh, we found a significant increase in uh, parents' reports of social support that they had um, in the Nobody's Perfect group, but not in the Waitlist group. Mm -hmm. um, and that was maintained over the six months. It didn't disappear. Mm -hmm. So even when parents were no longer in their parenting group, mm -hmm. um, that sense of support or those relationships that they had developed must have been maintained mm -hmm. because they continued to report higher levels of social support. Great. And that uh, you could even imagine that that might expand out from just the group that uh, hopefully they, they maybe they felt confident or, or uh, you know more likely to 
connect up with other parents outside the group. Well, and I think the feeling of just not being alone. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, we all, in addition to the, I know we're here really to talk about the effectiveness of the program mm -hmm. um, based on the hard data, mm -hmm. but we also did focus groups with parents after they finished the last um, uh, session of Nobody's Perfect. And that's where we got qualitative data about their experiences and what they had to say. And one of the most common themes that came out in those focus groups were things like, we realize that we're not alone, that there are other parents that experience what we do. And also, they would use the term, and nobody's perfect. You know, mm -hmm. we're not perfect, but other parents aren't either. Um, so I think that sense of, of being one of a bigger community that was struggling with the same kinds of issues mm -hmm. um, uh, clearly came out in the qualitative data as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then some of the other uh, findings? Um, one of the other areas had to do with um, ability to cope and problem solve. So one of the interesting things that we found on a measure of stress that we used was that there were no differences in um, the amount of stress that parents experienced pre and post. That didn't change, okay, in terms of them reporting the frequency with which they experienced these what we would call parenting stressors. Right? Problems and issues that they dealt with didn't change for the weightless group didn't change for the, the Nobody's Perfect group. But what did change was how, um, how problematic they reported that those stressors were. In other words, their ability to cope with the stressors had changed. Didn't change for the weightless group, their ability to cope, but it changed with the Nobody's Perfect group. They reported that they were coping better and that um, those kinds of situations that had been problematic for them before they no longer found as problematic. So we, our interpretation of that was that they were coping better with the typical everyday stressors that all parents deal with. And then finally, the third area was in parents' reports around their parenting behavior. And um, really there were two, I think, critical findings here. On some of the um, measures, we didn't get any change um, for the waitlist group or for the parents in terms of how much they reported that they loved and showed affection to their child. We didn't get changes on those. They were pretty high overall anyway. But on a couple of them, we got some very notable and I think very important um, findings. Uh, parents reported um, uh, a significant, the waitlist parents didn't, but the Nobody's Perfect parents reported a significant decrease in the use of what I would call punitive discipline. Mm -hmm. So in terms of use of spanking and yelling and anger, they reported significant decreases, and those decreases were maintained over the six months. Mm -hmm. Weightless group didn't report any change in that. Um, at the same time, the Nobody's Perfect parents um, reported increases in more positive approaches to discipline. So what we might call kind of the inductive reasoning strategies where you might give a child a choice or you explain why something they've done is, is bad or that they shouldn't do it rather than using a punitive approach. So on those more positive kinds of approaches to discipline, um, we didn't get a change with the waitlist group, but we did with the Nobody's Perfect group and that was um, maintained um, over time. Actually, it increased a little bit. Great. 
So I, I think those are the, I'm, I'm hitting the highlights, but those are, I think, some of the most important things, and they're absolutely consistent with what were the goals of Nobody's Perfect. Um, but finally having some, I think, fairly solid evidence that the program um, was able to meet those goals. Were there any surprises, anything that uh, you, know, you weren't expecting when you got the results? Um, well, I don't think this surprised nobody's perfect facilitators, but it did surprise me. I didn't expect to find um, the I didn't expect to find the significant changes that we did in parents' behavior. Mm. I think now, and some of the changes were small, statistically significant, but were small, which is I think um, understandable. I guess I think that it's an awful lot to ask of a program that runs six to eight weeks um, with no follow-up, with no booster sessions or anything like that, to expect a program like that to have tremendous tremendous changes in a number of areas. And because of the what I know about Nobody's Perfect, I expected changes in social support, maybe around the problem solving, um, uh, maybe ability to cope with stress and those things, but I was a bit surprised that it had the kinds of impact that it did on the parenting behaviors. Mm. I thought that would have taken longer to happen, and that's maybe why on some of those they were even stronger by six months, which makes perfect sense. But that that surprised me. I think that's um, I think that's kind of remarkable. Mm -hmm. And we know, you know, just through through experience, facilitators know this that that helping parents develop those social supports and the confidence and uh, just feeling good about being a parent really is, is the groundwork for uh, you know for putting in place some of those new skills and, and uh, things that they're learning in the group. Exactly and see and I thought that the program based on everything I had I knew about it and everything that I had read and talking with facilitators I was pretty confident the program had to be making those kinds of changes but I wasn't so sure that we would pick up changes on the reports of, of parenting behaviors, um, especially on a paper and pencil measure. You mentioned uh, a little bit about the focus groups with the parents uh, as part of the, the research, and you, I'm sure, have read many of the, the comments, the things that came out of uh, out of those groups from the parents, anything that, that was especially interesting in, in those? Any anything that you found, uh, you know, that really stuck out? Yes, actually, one of the things that we couldn't do um, in a quantitative way in the context of this study was we couldn't measure changes in parents' knowledge around child development. Um, around issues of safety, um, a number of the topics that Nobody's Perfect covers. It simply was beyond the scope of the, of the, 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 the study or the funds that we had. Um, and other studies had done that, so we kind of um, decided that that was the piece we were going to let go. But some of that came out very clearly in the um, qualitative information that came out of the focus groups. And for me, the stuff that I guess I paid the most attention to was that which parents reported around understanding the um, emotional lives and the emotional needs of their children. 
parents or what I would say parents understanding of sort of some of the attachment needs of, mm -hmm. of, of their um, of their infants and children so there were a variety of rich quotes where parents would say um, things like I didn't understand before that um, that's a two-year-old's way of expressing that they're upset um, or I didn't understand that that was typical behavior for a child that age or I didn't understand that when a parent has that mean look on their face that that could be scary for a child or um, so that they really seem to become much more aware about being able to read and interpret their children's behavior in an age-appropriate way and to watch for what that was telling them emotionally about their children mm -hmm. and to be aware of how their own behavior was emotionally impacting their children. And uh, so those were the gems for me mm -hmm. that I saw in the focus group um, data that came out is that there were some pretty, pretty profound changes in the way that parents understood their children's behavior and understood how their behavior and their nonverbals impacted their child. Mm -hmm. And that's that's certainly something that, that uh, we know a lot of parents don't uh, have that awareness. Uh, just exactly. from what, whatever they've learned, uh, you know, in their own uh, homes and in their own uh, journey to become a parent, they uh, that, that can be a real revelation to to learn some of those things. The other thing I I was thinking about is, is I was on some of those focus groups and I remember really uh, you know feeling that the the, the, uh, the sense that the parents just really loved coming to the groups that they you know again and again talked about oh, I wish this was longer uh, yes you know, when we yeah. asked what could you what could we do to make this program better that was the most common longer. response yeah. yeah it needs to be longer yeah. Yeah. yeah so they really felt you know they connected with the other people that they were getting a lot out of it uh, that, uh, that they just wanted more yeah the the facilitators it, it's it was obvious from the qualitative data well and we have actually a bit of the quantitative data that we asked about this came through too the facilitators do an incredible job of creating a very warm, safe environment for the parents to come to, and um, and feeling accepted. Parents, both on the questionnaires and in the focus groups, talked about um, how the um, facilitators respected them and respected their views and really listened to them. That was another one that came out. Is that you know the, the facilitators really listened. Um, and I think that that's the sort of strengths-based, client-centered, or learner-centered, however you want to talk about it, approach that Nobody's Perfect has, um, that is the fact that it's relationship-based um, is what creates that kind of environment and makes the parents um, feel so accepted and so much part of the group, so, yeah. And, you know, we know that that model that the facilitators are, are uh, using and encouraging is really a great model to, to get the parents to think about that same kind of relationship with, with, with their, their child. Kids. Yeah. So, so that's yeah, and I, I mean, and I, if I can um, kind of fall into attachment jargon to mm -hmm. talk about that, I think that many of the parents, the more vulnerable parents that are the ones that come to Nobody's Perfect programs, um, often haven't had 
a safe, secure base in their family of origin. So it's very difficult for them to provide that kind of um, safe, secure base for their child. And when the facilitators can do that for the parents, then the parents can turn around and do that for their children. So uh, many of our the listeners uh, today are either nobody's perfect facilitators or even supervisors or, or managers at agencies that provide nobody's perfect already. Do you have any suggestions on how they might use the research that you've done when they go to funders when they're looking for support for training nobody's perfect? Hmm. Um, well, I think to be able to point out just the kinds of changes that I've just been talking about that um, the study was able to document those kinds of changes in this national study, so it's not just one facilitator or one area, but that these are the, the, the changes that came out of the whole national study, that um, that should provide pretty solid evidence of the effectiveness of Nobody's Perfect. Um, I think that the fact that some of the changes got, got better over time and um, there are more, more findings than I've been able to talk about here that people will have to go to the report to look at. But we did find on some parenting behaviors that there was a change pre to post and then it started to diminish a bit over time. And I think that you know, booster sessions or something mm -hmm. like that, if funders would even follow up with some extra money so that there could be the odd booster sessions, I think you'd even increase the effectiveness of the program that much more. Well, that, that's great, Verna. Uh, that's given us some, some really good uh, background to the, to the study for people that want to read more about it and, and understand a little bit about the process and some of the highlights. Um, certainly been uh, interesting for us to be part of the, the research and be out there meeting the facilitators and some of the parents that have uh, been in the program and, and certainly gave us the uh, encouragement to keep supporting it. And, know you know with the research especially that it's doing good work it's it is having a really positive impact with parents so thank you for doing the, the research and thank you for being here uh, with us and, and giving us that, uh, that perspective uh, for folks that are listening to this um, there's more resources more information on our website and uh, you can certainly talk to us uh, if you want more information, want to get more uh, feedback on, on programs in your area and ways to uh, make sure they're successful. So, thank you. Very My nice. pleasure. That wraps it up for this episode of Voices of Family. Check the BC Council for Families website next month for another episode on the latest in family services at www.bccf.ca. To keep our series relevant and engaging to family service professionals, we're listening to your feedback from the listener survey located on the Learning Network webpage below the podcast player. Let us know your thoughts on this episode and tell us who you'd like to hear interviewed. Thanks and see you next time.